Yeah, go for it. We're rolling. Or we are? I can't hear myself. Oh, yes, I can. <laughs> it would help if I talked to a microphone. Welcome to Can I Help You? I'm your host, Dr. Craig Shoemaker. It's an honorary doctorate, but the restaurant doesn't know that when I'm calling for a better table. I'm a stand-up comic, mostly known as the Love Master, but also a master of love and healing. He wrote a book about it. I've done stand-up sets and specials on every major network, and even in front of four U.S. presidents. Although First Lady Barbara Bush was not a big fan of the Love Master. Oh yeah, baby. I like those pearls. In every episode of Can I Help You, we go everywhere. No limits, from spirituality to stand-up comedy. We're building a bridge from the woo-woo to the ha-ha. In fact, I'm honored to be one of the members of the Association of Transformational Leaders. Yet the ex-wife thinks I'm the leader of evil. But, like our marriage, this show is probably not for her. On Can I Help You, leave the labels, boxes, and cancel culture mentality at the door. We're about enlightening the fuck up, all right? Let's go. Hello, everyone. It is Craig Shoemaker, Dr. Craig Shoemaker with Can I Help You, the podcast that attempts to uh, offer assistance in your life journey. Whatever you're going through, we, we come up with answers. We have guests. We have celebrity guests. We have guests that, that will never be a celebrity. We have <laughs> all sorts of uh, any occupation, whatever it is, because we all go through life, especially these days. I've been doing a lot of special episodes, if you hope you catch those with a life coach, Sean Smith. Those have been a lot of fun, and we're in for a good one today. I'm doing a few with comedians of late and um, because they have a lot of time. <laughs> we are off of the stage, and it is not an easy thing to accept. I'm talking to my friend here, just came to my studio here in Westlake Village for the first time, and uh, just just somebody you want to hear from. So let's just start right off with here. He is Ben Morrison. Ben, I'm so happy that you're here because uh, I've admired you for years on a different level than you would probably think of. I'm listening. Uh, <laughs> so I just I've admired your your career path. There's so many that just take this very traditional. Uh, I'm a comic, and it's all I do. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go at one o'clock in the morning, get in line at the ha ha room <laughs> and they do the, the, you know, the, the standard, the standard <laughs> comedy thing, the pathway to what they believe will be success. You took your own path. Thank you, you made your own, you blazed your own road. And I admire people like that because comedians are also naysayers mm -hmm. they almost resent it if you do you mm -hmm. go off of the the normal paradigm if you will and I really always dug that about you you know you've done your own journey I've done my own and you know we meet in the middle somewhere and we run into one another mm -hmm. so I've always I've always liked that about you because you not only have the funny but you have the diversity and the no limits and we teach that here on the podcast, by the way, is no limits. So that's what makes you a good guest. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I really appreciate hearing that. And I think in the purview of the career I have tried to hammer out, that is exactly what I have been going for. Yeah. So So here is a stranger, almost I'm almost a stranger, who's been catching that vibe that you put out to the universe, essentially, that's cool. right? Yeah, and I actually just it, this yeah. morning decided that I need to redouble that and start putting more of myself out there you know I had I had someone say to me you you will you will have people notice your work when your work is made of your heart right on who said that to you was that uh I can't uh heal Gibran or something <laughs> no I think it may even be a friend of mine who, who that's just, who just threw me a free life coaching session and or something I heard. It's in my notes somewhere. And that's but it what really... this is, by the way. This podcast. Uh -huh. You didn't know what it was, which is great. I had no idea. And I, was I don't know much about here. you. I don't give the resume and the credits, and I will get to uh -huh. all that uh, maybe. But the idea of this is is to have the conversations, to invite people in on our conversation, and perhaps teach mm -hmm. and mentor, and they can learn from our mistakes. They can learn from our successes, mm -hmm. our failures. I, all of it mm -hmm. is that's life. And you happen to have had this extraordinary life that you created for yourself. And what I love to hear is what you're saying is, I want more. Well, I think that, uh, you know, actually, 
funny you should say that. What was it? As I turn my phone back on, vibrate. Uh, a week ago was my 20-year anniversary. Of being in comedy. Of being in comedy. Yeah, my first uh, You my know first you set. remember your first set. Oh, it was hard to forget. Especially <laughs> because... how I, I, I got the set one summer halfway through college when me and my friends just had a remarkably drunken night running around the village and are you one of those people that was a bet that's why you're in this no even better even <laughs> a better. dare oh no a bet. no <laughs> that's we, how a lot of people get into comedy you know this is uh we we all stumbled into a bar uh, on saint mark's place uh-huh. that my friend was bartending at no one there and i sat down next to a gal because my friend was bartending and it's a longer story. I mm-hmm. was dating a Serbian girl who liked to show everyone her, her cleavage, and I was hyperventilating because I couldn't take it. And the woman sitting next to me was like, that's your girlfriend? I'm like, ah, ah. And then my friend who bartended knew that I'd always wanted to do comedy, and she was like, yeah, he wants to do comedy. And then this is where my memory mm-hmm. of it just kind of cuts out. Apparently, I negotiated my way onto my first set that night. Really? I woke up with no memory of having done it, but a lot of times you wake up from a blackout and you're like, what did you do last night? Did I, did I embarrass myself? They're like, no, but you have a show at Stand Up New York on Sunday. Oh, my God. I, so that's your debut. That's the, that uh, might be the most different, just like you still are, the most uh-huh. different debut of, in comedy. I still don't get the hyperventilating on the Serbian woman oh, because yeah. um, I – that came across as you were hyperventilating because she had these really hot breasts or you're hyperventilating because well, you were dating her and she was showing them to other people. Both of those things are true. <laughs> okay. Both of those things are true. Okay, I, I, I couldn't could. handle that much woman at that point in my life. I was a late bloomer. And she was say. also older than you. No, she she was uh, my age. Well, they're, all, they're always more mature anyway. I met Especially her. Especially if you're was, immature. She was a... Uh, I, I, I can be. Yeah. I can be. Yeah, she was an international student. And I'll never forget this. The day that I met her, you know, I saw her... I was at the courtyard in college. And I walked over and, you know, kind of put the moves on her. And then I asked, where, where are you from? And she said, Belgrade. And it, it was tense because that morning we had begun bombing Belgrade. Oh, jeez. When Clinton was president. So that was something of an icebreaker. So this is more than 20 years ago. No, it was. Um, oh yeah, okay. For, yeah, that would be twenty. It would be yeah. Wow, I could have sworn that was in the nineties. I could, uh, when he was. Uh, it was right at the end of it. Okay, right at the end of it. So so, so yeah, that's. So well, now I mean, you got these. You've got these bombs that she has um, for a chest, and she was bombing our friends. She's bombing. So I was a refugee. <laughs> I was a refugee of the the great chest bombing of of two thousand. Did you? Uh, ni- no, ninety. 2000. What was your major in college? I was a theater major. I went to Tisch. Oh, okay. To so, NYU. Oh, a lot of people. Uh, well, halfway there. through going to theater school, this happened. And I, stand-up comedy was always kind of my secret mistress growing up because I had grown up in the theater. Mm-hmm. And that's all I had done or was ever going to do from the age of six. A lot on. of snobs, though, in theater about stand-up comics yes and that's why i felt yeah like you know it's funny you should say that because i was at tish i was at william may uh, i was at david mamet's studio the atlantic mm-hmm. and got very lucky that we a small group of us got to have william macy as a teacher for a whole semester jeez oh, just six or seven of us if anyone doesn't know who that is william macy's shameless mm-hmm. um fargo fargo he's he's an, just an amazing actor I, Wild Hogs, was that the name of that? <laughs> Wild Hogs, he was in that too. <laughs> but I'll never forget that, you know, I he, he would always bum cigarettes off of us mm-hmm. when we'd have little breaks in between yeah. scenes. And I, you know, he just, he, he loves teaching. He loves bullshitting with young actors. So I told him, like, uh, you know, I'd, I'd begun doing stand-up and he fucking went off no. about how shit stand-ups were and how they stole all the good roles in the... Oh, uh, my the, God. William Mason. I'm so disappointed. Well, that, he had just done Fargo. Oh, and in the 90s, actually, that was the case. Yeah. The, the, the comedians got all the sitcoms in uh-huh. the 90s. So they you, were giving them out like you crazy. Could, you could tell there was, there was some backstory with him in comics. Um, yeah. For me, because I grew Funny up... Funny he ended up in that movie, Wild Hogs, with Martin Lawrence and Martin Tim Lawrence. Allen. Both guys who have made it in the '90s with sitcoms, exactly, right? exactly. So I'm sure he sucked it up uh, for that role. 
Well, again, we had met him when he had just done Fargo, so I think he yeah. himself was beginning to realize that his own path was beginning. But it definitely didn't stop him from being a little pissed off about the 90s. Interesting, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've found a lot of actors through the years have this real attitude towards stand-ups. And mm -hmm. what's really strange about it is they should, as I think everyone should admire stand-ups more than they do, is I... You know, the actors get the oh, the reviews mm -hmm. and there's the accolades and obviously there's an Oscars, there's a Tony's, right? Nothing for stand-up. Yeah. No comedy. Uh, I think the Golden Globes has one category for uh -huh. comedy. But we don't get reviewed. That re has always pissed me off. Uh -huh. You can't find reviews. I used to have to hijack a review from opening for Kenny Loggins and during his <laughs> review I would be reviewed within the review but uh -huh. never a oh stand up Craig Shoemaker and it drives me nuts how how we're just treated like the court jesters and it doesn't make any sense to me because mm -hmm. our craft is the hardest of all isn't it well that's one of you've the you've done it all right which is the most which is the hardest thing as stand up and yeah. I think the reason I fell in love with it I was not good for a long time and you know my friends who I'm still friends with will be the first to tell you that that was the case I was really I was a theater kid who decided he wanted to be a stand-up mm -hmm. like the the, the stand-up that everyone does not like when like some fresh-faced NYU theater kids like I want to be a stand-up comedian yeah there was a lot of like oh fuck off kid but right, right. I was so bad at it that it it brought me to a place of falling in love with an art because of my lack of ability to do it again that I hadn't had in a long time because I just acted always. So you were motivated to be better. Well, I just remember thinking while I was acting because I was always on stage and I was, mm -hmm. you know, the leading man and, you know, yeah. my, my town had a huge theater program in school. Where's that? Arlington. Same town as Dan Cook. Same Arlington, high school. Massachusetts. Okay. We, same teacher who pulled Dane out of auto shop freshman year who Dane still saw as a father figure till the day he died yeah. pulled me out of whatever in freshman year and worked with me for four so years. Dane so Dane Cook's ahead of you in the business. I think we're maybe comparable in terms of fame. No. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Not I meant he was more, he's older than you is what I meant. Yeah, I think a six years bit, older. Yeah, a little bit of a trailblazer for you. Oh, yeah. You know. yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely known that Dane came from the high school. And I remember working one-on-one -on -one with this director. His name is Frank Roberts. Uh, one day after school, you know, I was the leading man in the musical, so I would work with him on songs, etc. And it was just me and Frank in the theater, and then in walks Dane, who had just really begun doing a lot of mm -hmm. shows at Nick's Comedy Stop and was developing a real name for himself in Boston, yeah. and just heard them talk about theater. Um, mm -hmm. That having been said, I remember beginning stand-up, and I, I, I was so nonchalant about singing in front of a thousand people, you know, uh, that to me was not difficult. Yet, when I got on stage at Stand Up New York, I couldn't breathe. No. And my right arm didn't work because I'd never held a microphone before. Mm. And I felt like beginning stand up isn't just like getting up in front of people and telling jokes. It's like getting up in front of telling, it's, it's like getting up in front of people and telling jokes in France. Mm. And you don't speak French and they don't speak English. Right. And you have no translator, no ambassador. And You're there alone. There's no props. And I also remember with acting, a lot of times, especially with doing stage stuff, I'd be on stage while saying the lines, thinking to myself, this sucks. But then everyone in the audience is enraptured. Mm -hmm. And you know, people backstage, they give you the line about how good it is. And I remember just feeling a big disconnect between what I was feeling as a performer and what they were getting as an audience. And I think... A lot of that has to do with, you know, the glory of acting is that whatever they get from it is is the art. But what I loved and was so terrifying about stand-up is mm -hmm. if you suck, it is apparent to you, to the room, to everyone in the building, about 10 seconds after you feel like you suck. There's no, there's no, there's no delusion <laughs> when it comes to the efficacy of your performance I don't think with stand-up. I think it's way less than it's, that. I think it's... Zero within, seconds. Yeah, it's like a point, maybe a point, uh -huh. point one seconds. It is absolutely so apparent. <laughs> and also leads to 
What did it lead to emotionally for you on the bombs? I'm, how 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 much did it come home with you? I remember those days where everything was about two things. Did mm-hmm. I kill or did I bomb? There right. was almost no in-between. And you go back and you judge yourself. There's days of so, no social media for anyone else. I really miss that, man. No, no. I really do. <laughs> you could just go isolate and you know deal with your own thing or have your friend you call at two in the morning your cohort or whatever it is and so which what what did you do with your how did you process those feelings and how long did those pains last Mm, a while i mean i i mean i always try to learn from whatever the experience was um and even then i was pretty good about getting a recording of whatever had happened and then begrudgingly forcing myself to listen to it. Oh my God, I'd rather I'd, I'd rather shoot myself. Yeah. I can't do it. I don't know how you do that. But the thing about stand-up is there's no curriculum for it. Right. So you kind of have to be your own teacher. Yeah. Oh my God. You know? There's no, there, there is no NYU for stand-up comedians when it comes to a real conservatory training. It's completely self-generated uh, based on relentless the doing of the art and immersing yourself in a community of uh, of comics you know yeah well the, the community of comics i was going to ask you about that is um there's a tendency this is a trend that the comics aren't that supportive of one another mm-hmm. well i i mean the it, thing, the it thing depends about... who they are obviously and it depends on the situation but in general there's you know the resentments come out if you succeed the cynicism is there when you're on your way and about other people. I mean, there's a lot of uh, disconnect I, in a business that I believe should be more connected. I feel like I've avoided a lot of that only because I've kept my circle extremely small. Right. I, uh, and it's a chosen circle, too. It's like yeah, yeah. you're not choosing those cynics to go well, out and slam people, go out to you I know mean, Canner's Deli and... Sit there and make a list of people you don't like who uh-huh. steal and they're hacks and they're everything else that uh-huh. the people say. You know, I always want to say to the ones who say, "Yeah, it's hack." I go, "You know what? So is saying someone's hack. <laughs> That's actually a hack." That's pretty funny. Come up with another. Come up with another term there, hack boy. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, just it's something that I was always. I'm always curious when I speak to comedians how that went for you during mm-hmm. that process. It sounds like you had a very small group, and some of them were not comedians. Mm-hmm. They were theater people. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, once you begin doing comedy, you know, your social circle definitely changes, especially when it's clear that you're going to commit to it. Um, so in, in terms of that judgment from the Vox Populi of comics, I, I mean, one of the reasons I feel that I have had to really try to take a a unique bent on my career is because I I never really tried to go for the I'm going to be the popular guy everyone's best friend kind of glad handing comic Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of social anxiety like if I'm talking to you you're my friend but I've never really I've never really made an attempt to or maybe even a successful attempt to be the most popular comic on earth Instead, I've really, I just much prefer kind of sitting alone and developing material and just... And playing games. And playing video (laughs) games, which we'll we'll talk about more. But um, I think because of that, and especially given the way the industry has moved Hmm. in the last couple of years, you know, as a 41-year-old white guy, I had to admit that if I was going to still be unique, I would have to attempt things that were truly unique right based in based in the art alone and not whatever categorical box i would naturally be placed in like here hey here's this comic he's an old he's a middle-aged white guy yeah instead of hey here's this guy that's really trying to push the boundaries with what computers can do with live comedy and it's it's always felt like to me that that might be the long the long ball like the, well, that, the long that, that play. is the thing that i've always observed about you is again you don't go down the traditional route and you do not accept you know the terms limiting terms that they're offering you know that mm-hmm. yeah you're not we're not popular right now the middle-aged white guy <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, we're, sorry Are you kidding me no no we're out 
I was always told so that you're gonna have to adjust. I was like, I got lucky with the, with this face. And no, all. no, sorry. Now it seems sorry. like it, it looked good for a while. Damn it, it was, it was good for a I while. I missed when it was, my white window. You you missed the trend. I did. You, you were a hashtag at one time. I did. I know. Now we're like hashtag middle aged white guy. What's done? No, what's no longer cool <laughs> anymore? We're we're the fidget spinners of people. The fidget right now. spinners. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would go with that. That's a that's a good. Uh, yep, so, I I think that uh, it's over for you. As, it is. As it's over for. Here's what's here's what's not over over, but our dreams of the way we think the dreams will manifest, mm-hmm. the specific ways that oh this will lead to that. Right. Wipe it out. Yeah. I mean, Dane Cook actually did that too. Is he wiped out a traditional way of going about it? I used to send fan mail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to send uh, notes to my fans. You know, like they mm-hmm. get on a literal list of with something with a called a stamp, <sighs> and I and I would mail them when I was performing somewhere. And he took it to another level uh-huh. in the digital age, and he went to MySpace. Yeah, Dane Cook. And now I think that you, MySpace is going to be big. Yeah, <laughs> it's the next TikTok. Have you heard about MySpace? Your space? I remember when I remember when I they were like the, the, the you know he made them popular uh-huh. yeah, yeah, among yeah. comics and I was there oh my I know one of the heads you know and they're gonna help us out and then they just they just crash just like everything crashes now so mm-hmm. you, we have to adjust and this coronavirus is a real example of so I want to talk to you today about um, this is called can I help you. Mm-hmm. Now, how would you help someone if you were mentoring them in this climate? And, and what is going on now? What do you do with some of your methodology? What's some of your process that you'd like to share? Or maybe you want to keep it to yourself. No, but- no. I, I, actually, I actually quite enjoy showing people how I do what I do because I'm not, I'm not trying to monopolize this art form. I want to see a lot more of it out there. That's why I right. created Super Funny. Yeah. Which is which is the show that I started specifically to highlight what I what I do is multimedia stand up comedy, mm-hmm. which is you know it it's basically like if you've, if you've seen Patriot Act, it's a standing version of John Oliver's show. Mm-hmm. It's live comedy, but there are live visuals that the comic is controlling. It's uh, it's uh, yeah. it's no more complex than simply having PowerPoint behind you, but instead of graphs and numbers, it's the visuals that tie into your stand-up comedy routine. It was routine. great. I was watching it, and I was so, and I was up next, and I was really freaking out, going, oh my God. It <laughs> I felt have like, no JPEGs, man. It felt man. like high school when I went in with, uh, you know, I'd tear out an encyclopedia page, and that was my, that was my book report. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh, I would make up, I would see a movie mm-hmm. for a book report and say that, I would just make up that it was a book at one time. That's <laughs> you know? amazing. Those, those are my visual aids. It was terrible. And everybody else, you know, I also grew up poor and we, in a wealthy area. Mm-hmm. And that's what it reminded me of. I was on deck and uh, and then you kind of made a mistake or something. You, didn't, you thought I left. So then you put someone else in front of me and this one had even more so. <laughs> This one had 3D uh-huh. and, you know, five camera shoot. I think Spielberg stepped in and yeah. helped him to a direction. He's a big, super funny fan, Spielberg. Oh, my God. I was dying, and I'm going, oh, up next, here's Craig Shoemaker. And I just go, all I got is jokes. All I got is me. Well, I got the, nothing else to back The thing I'm, I'm excited about is that I could teach you how to do that, and it would take all of five minutes to open up an entirely new frontier of what you'd be able to do as an artist. We you should know? do that then. We should absolutely talk and about it. And it's fun when I finally get, like, you know, someone who I consider to be a pioneer of comedy, who's yeah. a lifer, who's in it, right. who just telling jokes is second nature to right. just sit down and learn how to use. How to turn that into multimedia. PowerPoint. Right. Once it clicks, then you're like, oh shit. Just yeah. seeing. I love seeing the explosion of creative energy when you just say, look, dude. All you got to do is just take this JPEG that you sent to all your friends because it's yeah. hilarious and just drag it into this window. Then just take this program, plug it into Zoom, mm. take this clicker, and now you're doing live John Oliver style comedy and it's no more difficult than that. Well, that's really nice to hear. I mean, because I, I do know that I need to branch out because if you've ever gone to a show like Cirque du Soleil, have mm-hmm. you done Cirque du Soleil? Any oh, of I them? have. The cir- Circus of Ab- Du Soleil. Absolutely blown away, right? Do mm-hmm. you agree with me? Yeah, yeah. Do you ever sit there and go, we're, we're very creative people, right? But do you ever sit there and go, how in the hell did they think of that? 
Do you ever mm-hmm. sit there and th- just you're amazed? You go, what? Who in the world would think that that they should shoot an arrow that goes through you know, through space mm-hmm. <laughs> and ends up in this little tiny hole that opens up an entire set of with, with a ship? I mean, like who sits there and thinks these things? Because, but I think to myself, I can think of the joke, I can think of the story, uh-huh. I can think of, but the visuals. Because I don't know what's available to me well, to what know I, that there's an arrow out there. And that's what you're telling what me now. What I tell comics yeah. is simply begin with the media gathering. Mm-hmm. Like we, what, what the show has manifested itself in is telling a lot of people's life stories. Yes, I saw. So uh, I would say to you, yeah. just pick a time period in your life you'd like to focus on. And this is how the process would start. And then I would say, gather up all the photos you have. Oh, and go through old, old paper photos because you can scan them. Just did that a few minutes ago. I swear to God. Oh, really? My son just did it. We just put. Oh, that's awesome. Look at that shoebox right there. Literally, oh, that's great. literally just did that. I did. I have different categories. People don't. People have a lot of paper photos of their childhood because yeah. remember, remember having photo albums and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. There's there's an app on your iPhone. You just hold it above the thing. Click, bam! It's scanned. It's in the phone. So those then become fodder. So I'd say gather up all the JPEGs you have. Like say you wanted to talk about your dad. You know, I would right. say I need you to go through all of the media you have and gather up all the photos you have of your dad. Yeah. And then I sit with the comics and we'd spread out the hundred photos on the computer or even the ones that are paper and we start looking for details. Mm. You know? The you know, the way your this dad like very the, good idea for what I, one of my next uh, plans I won't tell you about because I don't want other people. Have you ever had anything like a really great idea taken from you? My my big one is that '70s show. That's a really rough one to accept. Really, I had it happen with a commercial. They had us come in and ad lib, and then they gave it to somebody who's quirkier looking than me. Mm-hmm. You know, that using my lines. That '70s show. They said, "Oh, this is great." And I remember people approaching us and saying, "It was did actually you, it was did actually you pitch I, a show I, like I that." Pit, I pitched the show, the same exact show, except it only took place in Philly. But they rejected us and saying they said yes at first. Uh-huh. And I have a witness to this who became a huge mega producer, Mike uh-huh. Fleiss, who does The Bachelor, Bachelorette. And he's a gajillionaire now. He was a junior producer at the time we went. It was my idea. Wow. And it was based on my life, and the pitch was basically. Well, this is your interview. Anyway, I... I actually, uh, finish the story. I kind of uh, hear... I uh, want to hear what the pitch was. I pitched... Uh, it was very simple. I said, Happy Days was the 70s, but mm-hmm. it took place in the 50s. I said, now we're now in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Let's have a show about the 70s called That 70s Show. It was called That 70s yes, Show? Yes, yes. It was called <laughs> That... I swear to God. And it was like... It was the same kind of group and, and hang and... But they, when in their rejection, I'll never forget this. Their rejection, they said yes mm-hmm. at the network, and the rejection was, oh, there's too many uh, drugs in the '70s, and they ended up on that show. Apparently, I never watched it. Couldn't watch it. Couldn't watch it. Yeah, they smoked a lot of reefer, man. That's what I heard. I heard that. That's why they rejected me. I couldn't believe it, but they leaned into it. You can't have a character like Fez and not have. I, yeah, man, and I had the the Fez version. I had my Steiny and Saran. I had all my characters oh. all laid out. They were real characters from my time in the seventies, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, it was. Um, so, have you ever had anything that was like? That's why you're afraid to reveal, you know, uh, your art. Yeah, because people snag it, and there's people that literally go to comedy clubs and steal stuff for commercials. That's a good question. Yeah, you don't remember anything? Believe me, it would be in the top of your head. <laughs> like, yeah, like that yeah. 70 show is for me. <laughs> Why I ought to, yeah, yeah, you're probably right about that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really, uh, it's difficult when you put things even out to the universe. It's mm-hmm. like, you, oh man, I got to hold on to this. Before, you know, before it's ready, I need to not say anything. Well, with, with Super Funny, uh, you know, I debated on whether I wanted to put the work online but yeah. in the end, I was like, honestly, it took me a year and a half of failing to figure out how to do these shows properly. Right. So even if you were going to attempt to take the idea, A, I'd kind of like to see what you came up with, and B, like, good luck with that. I mean, it took me a lot of times having a computer crash at the improv and having to tap Ooh. dance to, uh, you know, to get the machine back online. I was doing a headlining spot at um, House of Comedy in Arizona, and I always insist, 
and again, for the people listening, it's live stand-up comedy, but it's being run off of a Mac, and I'm controlling it with a clicker. Mm. And I always insist on running it off of my laptop, mm-hmm. but they would not let me plug in because they had an AV system, they had an iMac in the office, and they said, no, it's fine, you know, comedians will do a PowerPoint, and you know, we just advance the slide for them. Let's do it off the computer, and long story short, I'm 40 minutes into a set, 200 people, and their computer crashes. And it's in the back room, so it's not like I can even fiddle with it to get it back online. <laughs> God. So, I mean, but again, that's where the 18 years of doing live comedy came in handy. Of course. Because I had the material. I was immediately able to switch yeah. gears and go into the hits to keep them laughing while they got the computer back online, and then it worked, and then it crashed again. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is in front of a packed, packed comedy club, so... There's a huge learning curve. I like to challenge myself to do something that I am not sure I can pull off. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Sure. Because a lot, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this recently, getting back to COVID-19, because I've tried to push myself in all new territory with this. I think part of the thing that gets me out of bed is thinking about, could I do that? Like, mm-hmm. can I make the machine do that? Because I almost like that as much as I like telling the joke. I really? think maybe because that, that allows me to go into like a super personal space where I can just tinker with the machines. See, you have a different approach. I have the exact opposite approach. I think to myself, if that happened, I would be definitely be able to ad lib. I mean, mm-hmm. We've all been in those. I've, had, mm-hmm. I've done shows with the lights went out. <laughs> I mean, everything. Floods. Uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> Floods. fires. I mean, I'm not even kidding you. I've gone through this. Malls. That's amazing. I, I, was, I did a show where the power went out in the whole mall. And I'm in the <laughs> middle of the mall trying to perform. Ah, that's with great. Shoppers walking by. I mean, every situation. I almost thrive on it and do uh-huh. better because you become self-deprecating, which is a real route to humor for me. Uh-huh. However... I don't want to. I don't want to depend on each club. You got to go in. You got to go. Hey, oh, do yeah. you have the right sound system? Hey, do you have this? Now you're depending on someone else. Mm-hmm. You go, and that to me, I just want less stress. And you yeah. seem to want more. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's definitely been said about me from my my performery side to my 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 life to my relationships. Yeah. I, I seem to, to <laughs> I seem to go go for the stressful situation. You, in, you invite them in. You almost invited in. <laughs> Now let me let me go back a little because I don't know if you knew this about me, but I am a, a psychic. Get out! Uh, oh no, you didn't know this, and it's it's to a very high level, mm-hmm. and I do readings for people, mm-hmm. and uh, so I have instincts on energies. People don't realize this, but you have it too. You know, we're all clairsentient, especially if you're a comic. We're really attu- in tune, mm-hmm. in vibration, in harmony with the world we kind of catch the world as no one else does mm. a lot of times comics though are cynical and they knock that out they go oh, i am yeah, you freak or whatever i don't i i lean into it and mm-hmm. understand that there's a psychic energy so uh not doing a reading right now although i did one the last comic i had on um but i do sense something from the childhood that motivates you to ha- to want those challenges. Mm-hmm. There's something from early childhood in development. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost see like a sibling. Uh, there's something from the past that is informing the current, and you're you address it, but you're like great. Let that be a motivator. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing. Do you see what I'm related? Can you think of what I'm talking about? I mean, I think if you just want to go into a, a, the social structures of my childhood, is that I was, I never, my story about myself, or at least it certainly seemed like my experience of being a kid yeah. was not, I didn't have a lot of friends, so I spent a lot of time alone. And, the art I was able to create was kind of my way yeah, yeah. of feeling like I had meaning. Yeah, and that's 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 what I pick up. I pick up this um, people weren't empowering you, people weren't affirming you. This all had to be taught all through your life. Your esteem—they didn't esteem you. Is that am I correct in this? Is is that you were kind of like on your own to figure this stuff out socially artistically that was where i found a lot of my self-worth because yeah 
in the execution of the art was always something I felt like couldn't couldn't no one touch me. Right. But in the days you had to discover that yourself, though. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, I nobody didn't. pushed you I into did. that area. And I I was lucky enough to find it very early that my life kind of had the central thing it was going to revolve around. Do you have a brother? The creation of art, little sister. You have one little sister, mm-hmm. and your little sister is very different than you. Yes. And does have some of this esteem and does have more self-confidence growing up than you did? Yeah, she had a... Well, I mean, I think we each have our own esteem issues. Right, everybody does. Um, But she she was always the one who always had her shit together in the family. That's what I'm saying. That's what I keep feeling. That's what I feel like. (laughs) And she... She is, however, one of my very best friends in the whole world. That's fantastic. Is, is yeah, wonderful. But I was just—I just, I just picked up this vibe that you mm-hmm. went your way to deal with your issues, and she went her way. But it did. It, I guess it more or less seemed almost easier for her that she kind of grasped who she was in an earlier age than you did, and you mm-hmm. kept you needed know, this search. So anyway, you had some pains growing up. Yeah. Well, right. also having grown up as like a sick kid. Yeah, I was going to get to that. So Crohn's disease. Yeah. Now, this is another thing you and I have in common. Uh-huh. This is another thing I bonded with you when I heard you speak about it. A while ago, too, before we ever even ago. knew that there would be future partnership potential and other projects. Oh, yeah. This, this, we, I met you because of this connection. That is correct. Initially. Correct. Probably seven years ago, maybe more. It all blends together. Okay, but, yeah, but I'd exactly. say around around that long ago. So, it, yeah, and I heard you uh, talk about it, and uh, we have different takes on that, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, we, that I think we've discussed before. Um, I believe I am healed from mm-hmm. it, and I believe even believing that <laughs> helps me heal. Oh, that's my, my whole line on it is that the second you allow yourself to feel victimized you will then be victimized exactly exactly. and and the work i do with crohn's is teaching people how to talk about it in a comedic light so as to own Mm. their disease and thus remove the victimization because when you have crohn's if you get really depressed and i know this from when i'm feeling down Mm -hmm. i will then have uh, symptoms and for people who don't know Crohn's is an autoimmune disorder that happens in your digestive tract where essentially your body begins attacking itself I call them attacks I would have oh yeah attacks. no they are they're Crohn's attacks yeah. you had one on stage no but I've definitely oh, I've definitely had to tap dance around like ben, what was going look on look at me in the eye bro you've never <laughs> that is nothing I more humiliating asking, than have that. I ever shit myself on stage yeah yeah and yeah yeah blessed be the answer is no or had yet. an attack that made you oh I will never forget twice really during the show that I had to say I'm having an intermission wow and how do you tell people I'm about to shit my <laughs> pants and that's what's called it's French word for intermission I mean it was like I had to tell them I'm having a little problem here Hold on, uh-huh. I will be back. That's what's great about saying because you probably could just tell the tell the audience, be like, "Hey guys, I'm actually about to shit myself, so I think I'm going to take a fiver." <laughs> now that is the advantage we have over all other artists. Uh-huh. You can't be in the middle of Hamilton and going, "King, jo- oh hold on a second, yeah. folks, I'm going to have to take a little break." You can't here. be in Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> no, you're gonna you're gonna Cirque du Spray over, shit flying over. over. You'll be Cirque du Soleil. A poor, a poor audience <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> Like they're just flying overhead. You know what? Did, what just came out of him? That was an effect I have. These guys seen are getting really esoteric. That have, smells awful. I have seen this show before. This is an addition that someone came up with. Uh, uh, yeah, man, it's it's it was painful and uh-huh. obviously humiliating. And I've had some bad attacks in the middle of mm-hmm. uh, times that you wish that you wouldn't have these. Uh, you know, they're attacks of diarrhea and pain oh, and yeah. inflammation oh, yeah. and things like that. But I'll never forget, one of them was, uh, I was in a bathroom in Ventura. And of course- There's your the, problem right the there. People, exactly, the people walk in the bathroom and they recognize my shoes. Uh-huh. They, oh, look, he's taking a dump. That's not an intermission. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I'm embarrassed taking dumps anyway. Oh, it's not I, my thing. I, I really- You know, like it takes me a long time to, to, you know, for that to happen in front of like a lover or whatever. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just one of these humiliating things for me that I put on myself. So now I get uh-huh. this damn problem that I have to go 
number two uh-huh. on an emergency basis. And you've never had it happen on stage. God bless you. Yeah. You should be so happy. I Trust me, I am. And well, how, how are you maintaining it now? I mean, how is it? Uh... Well, I, I know what your stance on treatment is. And trust me, I'm right there with you. It's, it's diet and outlook. And That's I, two elements, but I have another one. But go ahead. I had been off Crohn's medication for 15. I had surgery in 2004. Like, okay. They cut cut a foot of intestine out because it was right fused together i have obstructive crohn's yeah where awful where i i still will get like explosive diarrhea but what i get more than any other symptom is inflammation leading to a blockage mm-hmm. in the actual intestine meaning can't shit for days and it really begins to hurt an audience, if you're still here, by the way, this will be the last we speak of diarrhea. I swear okay, to God. It's the last time I've seen it. It's probably even, not going to be. Even the word. Oh, honest, really? It's probably not going to be. It's more, um, more to come. Okay. So uh, dealing with, for me, has also kind of gone hand in hand with just learning to tune out physical pain, mm-hmm. which you can, it's, it's surprising what you can get used to. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I had been off meds since the surgery, maybe like 14, 15 years. And then two years ago, I, de- I began developing how do I say this politely? Space hemorrhoids. Like, hemorrhoids so bad, they were gonna have to do surgery. Oh my God, I have yeah. one right now. Is and I couldn't, do, I couldn't do anything about it. And once I went to the doctor, oh they, they took a little look-see. It wasn't just hemorrhoids, it was a fistula, and it was, it was yes. a bad scene, and right. it, was, it was not going to go away with eating more wheat. And I, 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 I put it off for a long time, longer than I should, frankly, just mm. dealing with the pain. And, yeah. Um, cause that is quite painful. Um, yeah. And then I went and they were like, we want to, we want to put you back on, on the big deal drugs. What about surgery? Do you have surgery for mm. the hemorrhoids? No, because, because no. after, okay. after fighting it forever, I finally said, okay, this is, this is, this has begun to affect my quality of life past the point that I can, I can tune it out with my Did usual Did you do things. sulfur pills? Mm-mm. That was never included. That was my first no, I mean I've been on yeah, damn near every medication. When I first there got is. diagnosed, they put me on sulfur sulfur pills. I was on prednisone, a lot of steroids. But I will tell you, I'm you know it's it's been years. Mm-hmm. It's been years. I it, mostly this liquid nutritional that I take. Uh-huh. It's from. It just it's. Have you ever heard of Ayurveda? Yeah. Now we're going to get into the helping part, folks. There we go. Okay, this it's is called Can I Help not You? Not just about diarrhea. That's right. Well, that's the problem, and uh-huh. then you have to help the problem is mm-hmm. what I have found. There are ancient practices for health. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a logical guy. We talked about bef- before we even came on the air. Is it called on the air? That's not, is it? <laughs> okay. On the... On, on the memory, on the SD card, we on need, the memory. We need a new term. We need all new terminology on the SD card. We talked about this. Is I just don't want to accept what they pound into our heads. Mm-hmm. I just go to this place of th- this space of logic and reason and Bo- pause. Bohemian individualism. Is that what that is? I don't know. I just made that up. I it love that. Right. If that, I I don't look it, but I could be one of them. Oh, I uh, I believe I, it, man. I, look I, at this I, office. You have a video games room. That's and a, true. That's pretty bohemian individualism. There, I, yeah. I believe there are two Emmys sitting right behind you as I'm looking at you. That's true. And a couple of other little awards there, but they, they mean nothing. They're meaningless. Uh huh. That's my that bohemian Buddhism. <laughs> Bohemian Buddhism, <laughs> the the bad boy of Buddhism, the Craig bad Shoemaker. Bad boy of Buddhism, I love it. Uh, there was a, an old Onion article like twenty yeah. years ago. Just I've always remembered it, and it's just an old Onion headline, and it has a picture of a monk, and it goes, "I am the serenest monk gloats." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I uh, I just have this thing where I don't want to accept your norms. Mm-hmm. You know, when I say yours, I don't mean yours. You actually someone I would respect your norms because you don't have mm-hmm. an agenda of a corporation making tons of money or a government trying to control That's you. That's also based on, I mean, I'm guessing you've done stand-up for most of your life. Yeah. I have too. I've never really had a real job, you know, back when I started when I was 21 years old. I, I just working for other people in any sort of structured environment never clicked with me, especially when I knew I could, yeah. if I was willing to be broke, could live a life that was based on creation. You know, in the beginning before stand-up paid, I'd, I'd build websites. It was all about not having to go to your office and listen to your bullshit. And I right. think 
I think having been able to, you know, for the last 20 years. Is that what years, took you so long to come to my office? It, it You don't listen to your bullshit, Craig. Before I leave, I'm stealing <laughs> one of those Emmys, and I'm going to take one of your gaming PCs. No. Uh, you can it, have both Emmys. Jogging really? weights. Amazing. Um, that actually, that would you be have to do it in an organic shit. way. You just have to use them as jogging weights. I just want to go to Runyon Canyon and someone just <laughs> five-pound waiting with fucking Emmys. I'd be like, that's don't, some L.A. Don't shit. Don't think I haven't thought of Good. it. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't do it, man. They're, they're yours. You earned them. No one says you can't. Uh, they're heavier than they look. Good, good for the biceps. <laughs> that's true. Um, but I think just having done comedy, like you, you kind of plug yourself into a counterculture that you are also the pioneer of when it comes down to how it affects your own life. And it's possible if you're willing to just go through the life of an artist. And if you genuinely, if you find more fulfillment from the knowledge that you are an artist than you would having a bajillion dollars, a nice apartment, material things, mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter how much money is on the table for the opposite, mm -hmm. the opposite version of your life, just knowing that you make people laugh or you just create something. Sure. To be a creator is to be literally a god. Which, by the way, is also a medicine. Mm-hmm. And we're the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. I've heard so, that laughter heals. There you go. <laughs> but we are in ancient practice. Mm -hmm. That's It's been studied over and over again. And why are we ignoring this? Mm -hmm. It's right in front of us. Mm -hmm. What it does, to, including our Crohn's disease or whatever mm -hmm. you have, laughter truly does what you need it to do. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I was about to say is, um, I don't like traditions. I'm not like into traditions because I think they're, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a way of saying I'd like to stay the same. Mm -hmm. I'd like to not grow. I don't want to evolve. <laughs> That's what it's basically saying if you stick with tradition. Uh -huh. These are traditions that might have worked and they probably didn't even work because they're not being interviewed. He hates people. tradition so much he refuses to watch Fiddler on the Roof. Tradition. I was Tevia. I played Tevia too you in high did? school. Get the fuck out. If I were a rich man, all day long I'd be a bitty bum. If I was a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard. Whoa, you just made my day. I, I, I got up from the couch on that one. Wife, my golden, looking like a rich man's wife with a proper double chin. Yeah, I, I, that was, oh uh, yeah, Arlington High we School. We got dueling Tevias, folks. I was probably practicing Fiddler on the Roof at Arlington High School when Dane Cook walked in 20-some-odd years ago. probably practicing knowing that someday it would turn into... I would be singing it with Craig Shoemaker <laughs> at his studio. An impromptu double Tevia day. But uh, the point I was making, <laughs> I believe this was, we could rewind, rewind is... The traditional way of doing things is someone else's idea mm -hmm. of the way it should be, and usually they have an agenda mm -hmm. of power, control, right? Mm -hmm. Just step back. I mean, get mad at me if you will, but I don't care. This is what I've seen in life over and over again is that's where if you pare it down. So therefore I say, why do we say that our way our American way, that old arrogance, America, that you know, America first, and all that. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be this power. We tell ourselves we're this powerful country. It doesn't make you the most powerful country. As a matter of fact, we're rated really low on, yeah. some, on some aspects that are pretty important, like education. Mm -hmm. So, why would you not go to another country, for instance, ancient practices of healing? Mm -hmm. Why would you? go with our way with these multi-billion dollar drug companies leading the way mm -hmm. of telling you what your cure is why would i not go back to the cures have been around for five thousand mm -hmm. six thousand seven thousand years that's in my, my case that is my answer to where my i will Crohn's give you an went. answer i will okay. give you an answer go ahead i will follow the ancient traditional healing medicines of of shamans of of mm -hmm. of, of, of of your of legend of, of ancient yes. Chinese way of looking Combined at things. Combined with Dr. Katz from down the street. <laughs> after a year and a half of trying, yeah. if ancient Chinese wisdom will not stop your asshole from bleeding, maybe listen to the doctor and go on medication, <laughs> which I did. 
and my asshole stopped bleeding. So I think it's a real. But but mine did too. Bleeding? But mine did too, based on amalaki, a fruit they pray to in the Himalayas with Ayurveda. Really? Uh, do you shove that in I your bleeding not, asshole? And I don't even have to do that. To plug it up. I don't is, that how, do that. is that how that works? Yeah, so, my God, folks! And if only I edited this show, which I don't. Uh huh. That's how unmultimedia I am. Is I don't uh -huh. even edit this, so they're gonna have all the diarrhea. It's raw. I can't believe that like they're still here. My asshole used to be. Oh my this god! This show is raw. Now, our producer, I want him to count the assholes and count the diarrheas. Well, <laughs> and if I'm we're only, over, I'm if, only seeing two if, assholes if here right if now. We're only, if we're over twenty, we got to do some editing, or so, cut a twenty-minute asshole-based special. But hopefully, this helps people. That's I the idea so. of this show. It helps people now, is because you have to have alternatives to the way you live. If you stay the same, that's mm -hmm. called insanity, same behavior, expecting yep. different results. If you go to the same doctor, even if yep. you go just because the person's down the street doesn't make it an expert. That's what I have a problem with COVID, by the way, is, oh, this is the only doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the only expert that we have. Mm -hmm. Oh, come on. Right. I mean, getting back to yeah. the because the medicine, the medications I'm on are immunosuppressants, mm -hmm. right? And now circling back to, I think, more your point of view, now, mm -hmm. that, now that the problem I went in there for has been addressed, mm -hmm. I, am, I am then faced with the reality that during a pandemic, I am now on not one, but two immunosuppressant medications that the doctors tell me I need to stay on indefinitely because so as to manage you're boosting your immune my, system no, not no. Suppre you're suppressing your immune yes. system because the because so you're Crohn's, compromising your immune system because Crohn's is the immune system attacking itself one of the major therapeutics is a suppression of the immune system as a whole which has been effective in mitigating the Crohn's mm -hmm. but then leads which but makes me feel weakened, weakened in the face right? of an immune um, right immune attacking <laughs> right global sure. coronavirus so, whatever it is or it so, could be anything else by the way i hate he i hate feeling like i am at a disadvantage when it comes when it comes to fighting something internal i'm going to turn you onto the juice give me the juice i'm man. on the juice man well honestly it's a real it's dilemma it's been about it's... 13 years uh -huh. and i've had just a couple tiny attacks mm-hmm and the, I believe the problem it's basically cured with going on the drugs I'm on right now is yeah. I'm on I'm on the big daddy drugs like I, yeah. I I inject myself once every two months the drug is beyond expensive once I, I found I, out how I much. wouldn't do it just for that well <laughs> exactly but again like the idea being though you're is pointing that, your belly by the way you inject it into your yeah belly? no you, it, it's uh, I inject it uh, once every two months which is the other drug I was on I injected once every two weeks once every two months isn't that bad but I say this to say once you get off these drugs which yeah. in terms of purely fighting Crohn's are, are very powerful but of course they come with these these host of side effects like immunosuppression once you get off the drug you can't take it again because your body develops antibodies. Right. Yeah. So then the doctors are able to say like, yeah, you just have to keep taking this because if you if you decide to go off of it, say you have a good three or four years, but if it begins to get as bad as it was, this is no longer available to you. And I have developed antibodies because I've been on different medications throughout the years to basically all of the big daddy drugs at this point. So my dilemma is if I decide to take myself off of this, there's no more well if it gets bad you have this to take in the corner because i you know i have seen people who are essentially fucked up enough that they need something you know like our my Crohn's is manageable i have a full life i do what i want to do mm -hmm. you do as well but i you know i perform a lot for the Crohn's and colitis foundation i go to a lot of you know i have the show that i do a comedian's guide to Crohn's. right so i i get to interface with people who have been affected by far more severe Crohn's than i have had and i've, I've seen it just ruin people's lives and so i still i do feel that there needs to be an option for them if it if it simply begins to crush them from the inside out where diet and lifestyle just isn't working so number I, one though number one is thought mm -hmm. everything everything follows thought yes and any direction you take follows the first thought mm -hmm. and then that's where it all spawns from there so I think that that's what I would leave people with. Jeez, you know, I, I know that I like you because of how long we've already been on and it uh -huh. doesn't seem like we've even touched 
Yeah. You could we could make you a two parter. Yeah, this this could be an ongoing series. We I, could, I feel we, fired up to get into all this. We yeah, we could have a two parter. It'd be wonderful. Have, yeah, or a series. Mm -hmm. I like the way you think. We could do a whole uh, Craig and Ben shoe and more. We spontaneously burst into musicals we've both been in. If, if, that was that was a, that was good. What else were you in? <laughs> don't don't start. West Side uh, Story. Wasn't it West Side? I did. Could be. Who knows? Oh uh, yeah, I just I'm a musical freak. Guys and so dolls. No, I never got into Guys and Dolls, nor uh -huh. was I cast in it. Maybe because I didn't like it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Pippin. Fossil remember fan. Pippin? Oh, I remember Pippin. That was um, who ben was Vereen. Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen, who yeah. was hit by David Foster in the middle of the road. What? You ever heard this story? Ben uh -huh. Vereen was wandering in the middle of the road in Malibu at like 2 or 3 in the morning, and David Foster was coming back, you know, the great producer, mm -hmm. was coming back from a musical session producing... And he sees this thing in the road, and he tried to swerve, and boom, he hits this object, and the object was Ben Vereen, <laughs> right? Wow. He gets him to the he get a helicopter, gets him to the hospital, mm -hmm. and it turns out hitting him saved his life because he was having a, like, whatever, an aneurysm or whatever it was. If he hadn't been hit and gone to the hospital, he would have died. Wow. Isn't that crazy? He almost killed him. Wow. <laughs> so now Ben Vereen is alive because of David Foster also hitting him with a car. Also, you know, that's a whole new way to look at vehicular manslaughter. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Just try to stay alive. You never know why you exactly. were hit. But, uh, well, I'm glad you made it out here. We didn't get to talk about the gaming. I'm, I'm so excited you're a part of our gaming community. I started a business called Laughter Hills Gaming where we're really trying to help people because a lot of the gamers are heavily into their addiction. A lot of them are bullied. A lot of them are depressed. A lot of them are stressed, mm -hmm. and we want to bring healing laughs to them. If anything, it's a relief. It, it's, it's somewhere else to go. And what better person than a game addict himself very, to very get in so. with the addicts? I just bought a... a <laughs> be, because you have only... <laughs> Craig's a guy, if you're like, God, man, I got to stop doing blow. Craig's like, here, join my blow company. And I'm like, guess I'm really leaning into this. I, I just know, bought a, I just bought a Windows gaming PC. It's like I just talked about it's like a rehab, but I brought in a guy <laughs> that's literally like to talk to the rehab who are fresh, you know, they're they're tweaking still yeah. and I say, "Let's bring in Ben to tell you he knows about drugs from the 80s." Oh yeah. that he collects. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know every single drug or game well, there is. Because I mean, this is one computers, of your computers, you know, this again goes back to kind of feeling like I've, I've always been somewhat counterculture, at least in my own journey, right. building computers. Like, computers always were excited to hang out with me, and they do what I tell them to. Yeah. I just needed to figure out how. So I feel like a lot of gamers feel that way, that they don't click with society at large, and once you discover gaming, you discover that these mm -hmm. vast worlds have been meticulously crafted mm -hmm. by a team of artists solely to have you run around and feel powerful in them. And once that clicks, you're like, holy shit, this makes so much. It, they make sense to us. Yeah, now try being a parent of one of those. I would never want to help. My son has been in the other room this entire podcast. Dominating on Fortnite on the Switch. See, Quinn, can you see how he's doing? I, I want to see how he's doing. I guarantee he wins. Mm -hmm. I just can't believe it. You so, should get him Breath of the Wild. Well, there's part of part of me is like proud of him, but the other part of me is going, "Oh my God, I've got another addict in the family." <laughs> How's he doing? He's kicking ass again in Fortnite. Has he won today already? But you should get him Breath of the Wild because it's not a competitive game. It's a single player adventure. It's Link. You know, it's one of the classic Nintendo titles. He told me it costs money. It's like fifty bucks. Fifty. Yeah, it's a game. It's a triple-A title. Look at you shrugging your shoulders. 50. I'm a father yeah, of four, for God's sake. But I mean... Well, because you don't have any kids, you could buy all these games. These are your kids. You make one $50 investment, and he's going to get 100 amazing hours of adventures. <laughs> and that's oh, a yeah. good thing? That's 100 hours <laughs> away from having a catch with his dad. He won't have a catch with me anymore. But, uh, well, Ben, it was a real pleasure hanging with you here. You Hopefully too. you had a good time, and... Uh, Let's keep going, man. Let's keep spreading the word of laughter and mm -hmm. uh, heal your diarrhea. Oh, my God. I think it was 23 times. There, there you go. So uh, anyway, back. this was the podcast, Can I Help You with Dr. Craig Shoemaker. 
We hope he did help you through something today, whether it was just inspire you or just nudge you in a different direction, make you think different, you know? Get out of line and into your alignment. That's the name of my book, by the way, that I I'm like writing. That. Get out of line and into alignment with yourself, into your source, into who you're supposed to be, not what they want you to be. Uh, we hope that that's what you got out of any of these podcasts. And if you do enjoy it if you don't enjoy it give me a good rating i don't care if you hate it just give me a good rating just for the hell of it okay just knowing that you're doing some good in the world uh -huh. you're actually doing something good by just giving a good rating passing the word around mm -hmm. why not and as a matter of fact if you tell six people we're going to make it like amway or some pyramid scheme we're going to say i will say your name if you tell six people and tell me that you did or get six people to listen to this podcast it's here for your benefit that's why i do it it's not for anything i swear to you i haven't made enough money in this podcast i am not exaggerating to buy a light bulb i could not buy a light bulb i couldn't buy a battery with all the money that i've made on this podcast for years it's been on mm -hmm. that will tell you i'm just dedicated to helping people now i would like to make some money and that's where you come in because the more m people we get I have a better chance of getting a sponsor. I haven't even reached out to any sponsors because I really want to get to a place where I know there's a flow, all right? So that's your assignment, if you will. Nobody likes assignments. That's your suggestion, suggested step, okay? I'll see you next time and have a wonderful uh, rest of your day. And I still don't have a closing. Maybe somebody can submit one. Bye.